You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hi, you are most welcome uh, to our weekly updates on Tuesday 9th of April. I'm Gavin O'Carroll from AIB Customer Treasury Unit and Oliver Mangan, AIB's Chief Economist, is joining us to opine on the green shoots evident in the latest economic data and then to discuss for our listeners the important days ahead in the Western capitals of Europe. Oli, firstly, let's talk data this morning. It is showing positive spring-like signs and green shoots in economies across the world. Indeed. I mean, we've seen this global slowdown, you know, since last summer, but the data in the last couple of weeks are showing signs of the early stages of a recovery. Now, it's not in every sector. Uh, the manufacturing sector globally remains very weak. We had the global manufacturing PMI for March uh, released last week at 50.6 in March, still at a very low, low level, unchanged from February. But if you switch to the services sector, which is by far the biggest part of most economies, that index rose again in March for the second successive month, and it rose to 53.7. Now, anything above 50 is expansion. Anything getting up to 54 is pretty good growth. So 53.7 was a very encouraging figure. And if you look at it, I mean, the, the UK figure was actually very weak because of Brexit concerns, so that weighed it down. Uh, but if you look at some of the subcomponents, national figures, the German index hit a six-month high, uh, and the German IFO index, which is also a good national indicator of activity, again, the manufacturing side remains weak, but the service sector was very strong in, in March. And that's what we've been saying, that the domestic side of economies is holding up, but as this slowdown in global trade uh, is impacting uh, the manufacturing sector in particular. And if you turn then to actual what we call hard data or real data uh, in terms of activity, We've got a very good payrolls figure on Friday from the US, uh, nearly 200,000 in terms of the growth in jobs. The weekly jobless claims came out the week before that, or sorry, the day before that, 50-year low. Uh, in the Eurozone, where there's been a lot of concern, we've had retail sales figures now for January and February, and they've been strong in both months, and the same applies in the UK. And we've had good labour market data in the UK as well. So there are signs out there that there might be a bit more life in the world economy than people had been anticipating and certainly in the services sector, in the domestic sector, uh, activities holding up. It's interesting to note because, okay, we covered the manufacturing and services side of the Irish economy last week and we discussed the German problems with car exports, particularly to China. Yep. In the context of this week, let's talk tomorrow, Wednesday, the focus will be on the Emergency EU Council Summit, which coincides with the ECB meeting taking place unusually on a Wednesday. Normally they have a rate hike or rate announcements on a Thursday because they don't do rate hikes. But it's Wednesday this week in line with the Emergency EU Council Summit. I don't think there's any coincidence there, though. No, but I think the, like, the ECB has already stated its case uh, in terms of policy for this year. Uh, it, is, it has announced new liquidity measures, but more importantly, it's indicated that rate hikes are off the agenda for this, for this year. So what we've had, actually, is some soundings from the ECB since the last meeting that not only could rates remain unchanged until the end of this year, that they could well remain unchanged maybe for much of next year as well. So we'll just be watching for any signals from Mr Draghi in terms of that forward guidance, in terms of uh, lower rates being extended out. I think myself, he won't give much away. I mean, they made their announcement last month, so I think this will be very much a holding meeting, maybe some focus on the new liquidity measures. There'll be no new forecasts. So reiterating that the central bank will be very patient in terms of increasing interest rates. Inflation remains very low. It's expected to remain well below the 2% target over the next two or three years. And in that environment, rates remain lower for longer. Ollie, it's three days. That's three fingers I'm holding up. Three days to the Brexit deadline this week and it's Friday night 12th of April and over the course of the emergency 
EU summit, you would hope politicians across Europe and the UK avoid hard Brexit at all costs. There's been a lot of talk over the weekend of Flextension, this one-year rolling extension. Uh, at the same time, you've got EU Council President Tusk promoting that, but then you've got President Juncker also on record talking about the withdrawal agreement sign-off in London before any extension is granted. Yeah, well, uh, it's, it's three days to the latest uh, cliff-edge Brexit. Uh, I think we can take it that the EU do not want to be responsible for the UK crashing out without a deal on Friday, and an extension will be granted. Now, as you say, Theresa May has asked for an extension until the 30th of June. Uh, Donald Tusk, who really represents the heads of state as opposed to the European Commission, is indicating that there may well be a year-long extension but that the UK can leave at any stage during that year if it ratifies the withdrawal agreement. So you could say up to a year. And what Donald Tusk and what the other Prime Ministers don't want is to be turning up in Brussels every month looking at another extension to Brexit, to avoid a hard Brexit. So what what they're they're minded to do... Now, we we still have... I know the French are not keen on this idea. There's some divisions amongst countries on this. some countries want a shorter extension, but Donald Tusk does represent uh, the heads of states, the governments, and if he's mentioned a year-long extension with the option to leave at any time during that period, that's probably most likely what will happen. Um, now, the EU has also said that they want uh, the UK to come with a valid reason for the extension. Uh, we haven't heard anything yet from the negotiations, so we'll just have to wait and see. But I do expect, you know, strongly expect, an extension will be announced on Wednesday night or Thursday to avoid a hard Brexit this week. But in the middle of your comments there, that's the big issue. If the one-year extension is given and granted by all EU heads, you've got a situation where the Europeans expect the UK and the UK will expect to be part of the European May elections. Well, in fairness to Theresa May, in her letter last Friday requesting the extension, she said, and acknowledge that the legal position is the UK will have to participate in the European elections if they're still members of the European Union on the 22nd of May. So she may well come back on Friday and say, guys, uh, I've got my extension. Uh, now, if, if, if we don't ratify this deal now and we're out paving the way for us to leave by the middle of May, then we're going to have to participate in those European elections. Uh, and I suspect that's what actually will happen. The UK will be involved in those elections. Uh, there's no sign of any movement in terms of getting that withdrawal agreement through yet. Uh, and you know, the clock is ticking in terms of the, of the UK having to participate in those elections. But there's no way around this. The legal position is, if the UK is in the EU on the date of those elections, it has to participate in the elections. Interesting times. We had our Taoiseach in Paris last week. We had uh, German Chancellor Merkel visiting Dublin. We have Michel Barnier visiting Dublin uh, yesterday, Monday. It's, it's going to be a huge 24, 48 hours into Friday this week. And, and there's probably an awful lot of backstory, back scenes going on within the capitals of Europe. Yes, I, I think a lot of the negotiations with Ireland are not so much around the UK, but I think European leaders and the EU are trying to prepare the ground if there is, at some stage, a no-deal hard Brexit. And what does that mean for the border between Northern Ireland and the Republic, and preserving the integrity of the single market? How do we avoid... Uh, having a hard border between Northern Ireland and the Republic, and yet at the same time preserve the integrity of the single market. So I think that's preparatory work, I would suggest, that's ongoing. Uh, I think everybody recognises we don't want a hard border on the island of Ireland between the North and South. 
But uh, if the UK was to leave the EU without a deal, well, then I suspect there'll have to be some checks somewhere uh, on the island. Now, it might be at the ports, it might be while goods are in transit, it might be at the factory floor. But the EU, naturally, and we can understand this, will want to preserve the integrity of the single market. And what that means is they don't want Northern Ireland and the Republic to be a backdoor into the European market, the single market, without paying customs duty, without meeting the required standards of production rules and regulations. So I think I would call it preparatory work. The, expect, the hope is, and they're very much driving towards, uh, that the UK will leave with a deal. But in the event that they don't, they want to have their plan ready in terms of how the single market will continue to operate in Ireland in those sort of circumstances. Ali, touch on just, uh, we, we've looked back over the last number of weeks, we've talked Ireland and the impact of Brexit on Ireland, but Europe has now got the wider macro issue whereby if Europe is to let the UK have this long extension, you've got a situation where Europe is concerned that you've got the UK in the club in Europe and probably this is causing a distraction as minimum in Europe. You can take it for granted that if the EU, as we fully expect, grants a year-long extension to the UK in terms of continued membership of the EU, there are going to be some very stringent terms and conditions around that in terms of the UK's behaviour uh, during that period, uh, adhering to the rules, participating in the elections. So this will not be a free pass for the UK. Uh, there will be strict terms attached. I fully expect that. It's going to be an interesting few days ahead. Just the last point, I think, to make is Sterling has been uh, kind of firmish uh, in these tightish ranges, recouping some of recent losses it's, it's seen over the last number of uh, weeks. I think, you know, Sterling is probably going to react dependent on the outcome before the weekend. Sterling is going to react positively probably if there's an extension. Uh, but if, if in a hard deal scenario... Obviously, and it's been in the media over the last number of days as well, it's still a very serious situation for Sterling. It is. As I've said on many occasions in these podcasts, uh, you know, the upside for Sterling from here at 85, 86p is limited. Uh, if we get an extension, it just prolongs the period of uncertainty. Okay, we avoid a no deal, hard Brexit. But in the event that we were, our expectations were started to build that there could be a no deal, hard Brexit, well, then there is considerable downside for Sterling in those sort of circumstances. And I might add that only last week, with the central bank uh, in its latest quarterly economic commentary, uh, while still positive in the Irish economy, forecasting a growth rate of 4.2% for this year, did note that it would expect Sterling to fall by about 15% towards parity in the event of a no-deal hard Brexit. So that's the latest warning we've had. On that bombshell, we're going to finish up. Ollie, thank you. And thank you, our customers and listening, for joining us on this, our weekly update. One of the wise ways of staying in the latest developments and close to what's going on is to listen to this weekly podcast. And you're more than welcome to subscribe to AIB's Market Talk on iTunes or the podcast apps for iOS or Android. We look forward to speaking to you with you next week. Until then, take care. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.